ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. We love making this podcast. It's our favorite thing we do each week. We've received so many heartwarming messages from you about how our episodes are impacting you, and many of you are asking what you can do to support the show. Please tell your friends about us, share on Instagram or Facebook, let them know what you're learning. But the very best way to help is to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Head on over to soulful.mba slash iTunes to leave a rating and review. It only takes a moment. The more reviews we receive, the easier it will be for others to discover the podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. We look forward to seeing what you build online. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, Episode 69, Catherine. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as a special guest for today, Catherine Lavery. I met Catherine about four years ago in an entrepreneurship program. It's actually the same one where Sandy and I met, so kind of special. And I remember quickly being impressed with Catherine's determination, tenacity, design aesthetic, just everything about her made me stop and wonder about what she was going to create. You're going to hear more about her story here on the podcast, but let me just give you some information that I think will also wow you about Catherine. So she's a serial entrepreneur, and she is best known online as the co-founder of The Best Self Co. So she helped grow this company from nothing to eight figures in less than two years. She not only won Shopify's Build a Business competition in 2016, she went on to win the follow-up Build a Bigger Business competition in 2017, making Best Self Co. the only company to win both awards consecutively. Catherine has been featured in publications ranging from Fast Company to Entrepreneur to MTV and HuffPost and Forbes, and she's really a powerhouse. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with her. Catherine's originally from Belfast, Ireland, so you'll hear a hint of her accent in the show as well, but she now resides in New York City. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Catherine, to the podcast. We have known you for four years or so, and we've been following your journey. Um, But before we get started on how we met, we would love to hear from you just a little bit about your own history and your own experience with entrepreneurship from a young age, if you just want to share that. I think that's a commonality among entrepreneurs that we see is that folks get started and drawn to this kind of behavior in childhood. So if you would share for our listeners, how you came to entrepreneurship so I was always entrepreneurial when I was a kid I didn't want pocket money I was like I need to make my own money whatever that looked like so I think my first like thing was I would uh 
I bought a recharger and a rechargeable battery. So I used to charge my brother's remote control cars. And then I used to sell cupcakes on the playground at my school. And I was like, I think I was about eight or so. And so I didn't know how to make them. So I'd come home and I'd be like, mom, we need more inventory. These are the ones that are selling the most. Let's get, let's get to work. And uh, unfortunately, I should have just learned how to make them myself. But uh, that was my first thing. And then when I was about 14, I had an eBay business. I kind of did all the stuff on the side because it was kind of, I don't know, I felt uncool doing it. So I had an eBay business where I would basically drop ship from all over the place. Uh, like my biggest one was I would buy Dawson's Creek DVDs. <laughs> so you always like sell, you know. So I was like 14 and they didn't sell the whole season box sets where I was from. And so I would basically import them from Canada and sell them on eBay. And uh, I did all this, like, I didn't tell any of my friends I was doing it because I thought the whole thing was so weird. And then I didn't also didn't know anyone that was, like, entrepreneurial at all. My parents both had, like, regular jobs. I ended up going to university, doing architecture, getting a regular job, then realizing after a few years that I didn't like that, and I kind of fell back into entrepreneurship. But uh, sometimes I wonder... So now I'm like, I love meeting kids that are into entrepreneurship and kind of teaching them, you know, what's possible. So I feel like we're all kind of on this train of school, university, job, and and it fits some people, it doesn't fit everyone. And I feel like there's not enough vehicles to help people get from, you know, just being natural entrepreneurs to actually creating a lifestyle for that. I love that. And it's been so interesting to watch you, Kat, because we met in a program that we were all in together. And I remember distinctly that you were an architect because you were doing some really cool design work and you would share that. I think we were all in a Facebook group at the time and you would share. Do you remember the little poster, like a little word map thing that you made was sort of to inspire you every day? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, who is this woman? Like, she's so talented. You had a traditional job being an architect, but yet you were unhappy on paper. You should have been happy. You had it all right. Living in New York and, you know, you're an architect. Um, yet there was this incredible dissatisfaction with how you were feeling. Can you talk about moving from being an architect into again into that entrepreneurial what that period of time was like? Uh, so I didn't just kind of jump from one to the other because I'm kind of risk averse, which sounds strange, but I didn't want to I'm like, I'm not going to just run into the sunset and hope for the best. Uh, but so I started a design business on the side of my architecture job which I was working like 80 hours a week. Now when I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? Uh, so it's just like on the weekends and evenings. So I did that for about a year. And this was before I met you guys. And that was kind of going. And then eventually I was making, you know, pretty a lot more than my job, which wasn't really paying me much. I'm like, what if I did spend more than like six hours or 10 hours a week on this and focused on it um but I was on like a visa here and I was waiting for my green card to come through so I basically was kind of trapped in my job for about the last six months of it and it was like the longest six months of my life where you're just like I don't belong here there's so much more I could be doing so I was just like frustrated but a lot of my friends at the time were doing the same thing so it's kind of like almost like the matrix thing where you you know there's something outside of it but you can't get out of it and everyone that you know is like stuck inside it and doesn't know the other but there's something else but I'm like no there's definitely more to this than what I'm seeing right now I, I just remember feeling like 
like I was dying inside and I used to come back to my boyfriend and be like, he's like, oh, what if they give you a raise or what if, you know, cause I wasn't getting, I was barely getting paid much. I'm like, I don't even care. Like I literally don't even care. They could double my salary at this point and I still would be so deeply unconcerned with having this job anymore. Hmm. Did you know going into architecture what that lifestyle would be? Did you have any internships or did you have a sense of what it would be like to have a career working in an architecture firm before you moved all the way to the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd worked in Ireland as an architect. So I knew a little bit, but I mean, New York's a whole other beast uh-huh. in itself. Um, I, I think also like architecture's hard normally anywhere you, you are in the world. I think it's kind of glamorized. People are like, oh, like in movies and stuff, it's like <laughs> the sexy architect with their rolls of paper and like all this fun stuff are really just like behind a computer all the time. But I think moving to the US, which is a whole other like work structure of, you know, almost priding themselves and not taking any vacation, mm-hmm. that um, it, it was just a whole other thing. And even though I'd done it before, I think I realized after like a couple of years that I like, I like the design part of it. And I think the more experience you get with architecture, at least for me, even though I was in a small studio and I had a lot of responsibility, which you usually don't get, it became more like paperwork and like all the shit that I'm not good at. So it was like managing and organizing. And I was like, this is not like for me at all. Like I'm a little more like creative or I wanted to be. Yeah, I remember because you started a software company. All three of us were females that started software companies a couple of years ago. And I remember distinctly learning that you were successful at it. You had paying customers for your software company and you decided that you needed to work with your hands. You needed to create something and running a software company didn't allow that. So then again, you pivoted and you walked away from that and started this new company where you could actually make something. I started the software company because that, I mean, we were in the yeah, program right. to start a software company, yeah. but I think I, I started it in a market that I didn't really know that much about. And I actually enjoyed the process. So this is when I realized that I'm a product person first. And like, that's really what drives me more than anything is that I was like, I love like calling people and like figuring out the problem and then like sketching it and like, and then getting to the point where it was built, then it was built. And I could just sell it. And I'm like, oh, this is not what I want to do at all. So it was like up until the point. And then I I brought someone in to do the sales part. But to be honest, it was like, am I really going to put so much time into something that's not really like driving me? And I knew to get it off the grind, I was going to have to put like everything into it. And uh, I think I learned a ton from it. So I'm glad I did it. But I'm more glad that I walked away when I realized that it wasn't, wasn't a good fit. And so how did you switch from, so this isn't going to work for me. I know I need to build stuff. I need to be in the creation process. How did that evolve into your current company, Best Self Co? Well, so Alan, my business partner with Best Self, we were accountability partners pretty much throughout when we when we knew each other. And so Best Self wasn't the next company. We also had an Amazon business because that was a cool thing to do at the time. Um <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know about this stage. But it's like everybody had it. Yeah. yeah. We're like, oh, this seems easy. Um, so the whole thing was like, I'll be the product person. You be the marketing person. I'll create like the brands and find the good products and you market it. And so we did that. But 
like kind of as a passion project on the side of that. We were always like reading books and like figuring out what was working for us. I had my design business on the side. We had this Amazon thing together. Um, we're trying to push the Amazon. So we're like, okay, let's figure out how to work better. Like create this like daily framework for ourselves. And it, it kind of just like literally over time developed into like this moleskin thing. And then as a designer, I'm like, I hate drawing this into a thing every day. Like I just wanted to like create something. So I created it. And then we, we looked at like printing versions for us too. Really expensive. So then we went to like other friends in our, in our like, Facebook group. And they were like, I love this. And then since I had some experience with Kickstarter, I'm like, let's kickstart this. And again, this was like a passion project from our Amazon business. And it was only when the Kickstarter did, we kind of took a break from Amazon, focused on like launching it on Kickstarter. And then once it did well, I remember the Sunday, I think it ended like on a Thursday. We were, we were both like really sick by the end because we've been like full on for like over a month where everything you like learn about, you know, we t talk about being conscious and intentional with your time and not being reactive, like all goes out the window when you're launching a crowdfunding campaign. Cause you're like getting up, like what's going on? Like, where are we at? You know, how are we reacting to every single thing that comes in? So by the end of the campaign, we're just like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. But on the Sunday, so we'd had like pre-orders up from the Thursday until the, until the Sunday or so. And that's just people we weren't marketing anymore. They were like coming to our Kickstarter, seeing they missed it, then going to this like random site that we set up. And we did more in sales in like that almost a week as we'd done in a month on our Amazon thing. Because so I'm looking at this and like, this is what I really love the Amazon thing. I really, it was another thing where I was like, I don't really care about this. Um, I don't know if I can spare on this podcast, so I won't. But, <laughs> um, so I didn't really care about this. So I called Alan and I was just like, thought he was going to think I was a crazy person. Cause so I'm like, I just don't want to do the other thing anymore. I feel like the potential is in best self. How would you feel if we shut down the Amazon thing and went like full force on this? And luckily for me, he was like, yes, we should totally do that. Except we should sell the Amazon business and not just shut it down. And I'm like, that's a way better idea <laughs> than what I was going to do, which was just going to be like, bye. And that's kind of how that self started. And then we kind of went full into it. But it was, I think it was because it was organic and actually something that we both cared about. And we didn't start for money or for anything else that we just put a lot of work into it. That was the reason why it took off like it did. And so now you have a an eight figure company. How many people are on your team? 12. It's substantial. How are you protecting yourself from dropping into the the trap of of just being you know a paper pusher working in excel spreadsheets how are you keeping alive the creation process for you so i think i got stuck in that process last year still because i think you go through stages of things like the start it's like really fun and you're just doing everything and then when you hire people that's like a whole other process in itself um hiring the right people and then I feel like in the last, probably like since the beginning of the year, we sat down, like figured out, okay, what's our vision for the company and where are we going? And also hiring people to take off the things that are not high leverage task. So I just hired like a month ago, like a head of product that gets in the weeds with like everything so that I can be more um, figuring out what's next. And also 
realizing like where we are now and then we're, where we need to be. So like, I think previously we're like product first company of like, okay, how do we build this product? And we recently changed to be a problems first company and figuring out, okay, what's the problem? What's the product that can solve it and not necessarily a physical product either like it doesn't even need to be like a sellable thing it's like are we are we solving this problem with content with the digital product the physical product and more focus on the customer and how we're solving their problems rather than trying to sell product because i feel like we were being pushed last year to you know like drive revenue and and make more products and then i got to the end of the year and i'm like we had all these products in the pipeline and I was like really burned out and I wasn't getting being creative. So I didn't feel like I was pushing like new products that were going to uh, move the needle or like make a difference. And so it took me, I had to go to Thailand. I went to Thailand for three weeks at Christmas. It was like totally burned out. It took me that to come back and have the, the guts to be like, yeah, we're going to kill all of these products that we put time and effort into because I don't think that, like we could sell them, but I don't think it's good for the brand. And I think it's just like me two products that anyone else could create. Um, and I think that that was the best decision. I, I know the team now thinks that now we have more focus moving forward. Um, but I think it's a dangerous to get into that because then you're like chasing revenue instead of like what products are actually going to make a difference. And then I felt like an Amazon seller type of thing where it's just like mindless shit from China mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. you don't really care about. So can I ask, Catherine, do you and Alan have any investors or are you still fully the owners of your company? We're still fully owners. So you have complete creative control over what you do, right? So that's just a note for folks who are listening. (laughs) We have had a couple of conversations in the past about investment-backed companies versus bootstrapped companies or self-funded companies. And I think I just want to make it clear for everyone that you have the freedom and flexibility that you do in your business because of the fact that you've not taken on any investors. Yeah, and we've had people offer to invest, but yeah, you just lose control. And anyone that like knows us, like don't take money unless you like literally need to. So yeah, I like not having a boss. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. So, Catherine, what would you say the biggest struggle is within Best Self Co. so far that you've confronted and then been able to overcome? Uh, I think... The, there's been like different stages of it. I think when we first started, it was Alan and me doing everything. And then there's a whole other set of skills for when you start hiring people, like we hired some of the wrong people. And then there's different people are motivated different ways. And like just learning the, the structure of things. Cause I don't really have a, I didn't want to, I knew I didn't, I don't like the, the word boss really, as far as, because I never really had like manager and boss just sounds like the office or something like regional manager or you know whatever (laughs) and so I didn't know what I wanted the structure to look like and so I think I we didn't do a good job in like figuring that out and then last year and this year I've just been like putting all my time into 
you know, figuring out how to manage and motivate a team to work together on something. And that's been like my personally, my biggest challenge. And then also like a business challenge is growing without taking investment money. So like pretty much using sales money to put back into the company and, and how do you put it in the right way so you get the right output and then you have payroll now. So it's like, it's constantly like a balance of like figuring that out and um, trying not to screw up. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, but I think you just answered. So your team are employees of Best Self Co. You're not doing the contractor route? Uh, we have some employees and some contractors, probably like half and half. Mm-hmm. And how much of your actual working time, how much of that is spent dealing with the team? I would say like two days a month, but like broken up into different things. Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing is like sometimes someone will come with something personal. And I'm like, oh, this is like a whole thing now I have to... Like figure out how to deal with. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's something that we're constantly talking about. And uh, we've chosen just to hire on contractors as we need, because we are learning that Jenny and I both are not very good at managing people and nor do we want to do that. And my entire previous career owning a store and clinic was very heavily looking after people and taking care of their needs and scheduling and all this stuff. And I don't really want to return there. So I find it interesting companies that have seen really fast growth like yours, how you maneuver around because you need the people to grow, but how much, you know, you don't want to become a manager, like you say. So it's just sort of this dance. And I'm just curious as to how people solve that and, and still be able to do the work that you're really good at, but inspire these people to work for you and help you grow your company. So Alan has like almost like a sidekick or a protege or something. So I, I just hired a product manager because that was what was missing before. So I was getting drained last year because I was trying to manage, but also I was trying to create products and I need more headspace to do that. And I wasn't getting it. And that was just getting me frustrated. So I think, um, so we have like meetings on specific topics. We have a product meeting, we have a marketing meeting, we have an operation meeting, we have a project management meeting, which sounds, this sounds like a lot of meetings, but like I'm, I'm on all of those, but that's, you know, four hours a week where we look, we're looking at like different areas and then having the people, so Lucas, who's my other half doing product, he can manage the people underneath him. So he's can get to know them and and figure out what motivates them. So when people come on, I have people do the Myers-Briggs, which we just did our retreat. And then we did like a Myers-Briggs exercise of like, okay, what does it actually mean? And so splitting it off like introverts, extroverts, let's do an activity and come back and see how you reacted, you know, thinkers, feelers. And after doing that, it's like, oh my goodness. Now we see how people work together. And then I also have them do love languages because I want to know, how if Mm -hmm. you know to keep them motivated and how they like to get praised for example uh so i feel like creating systems for the team so you're it's the less management and more maintenance of okay i can deal with this problem when it comes up because i have sort of the structure set up but it took us a while to get the structure and i feel like it's still a ever-changing document so given the fact that you run Best Self Co., we thought it would only make sense if you could offer a handful of tips, maybe three tips or five tips. Our audience is primarily women who are transitioning from having a successful business offline to having one online, whether they're using our software or going through our course. 
uh, or listening to our podcast. And so obviously using your journal and the tool you've developed is a suggestion that we would always make and recommend. But what are some tips that you could tease out for those folks who are either managing two businesses now because they still have their offline business and they're and they're starting to work online or who are transitioning into entrepreneurship? What would you recommend to those people? I think just like firstly, like being intentional with your time. So one of the best books I've read probably in the last five years was Deep Work. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. So Here's the thing I've been struggling with. I'm going to give you the five tips. I realized recently I was spending too much time on my phone. And so I downloaded this app called Moment. So any everyone download Moment because you, you probably don't even realize how much time you're spending on your phone. It tracks how much you're using your phone. And like, you wouldn't even believe this. Like, you know, going on Slack or like, and then you get distracted with Facebook, everything else. You're like spending four hours a day on your phone or something or more. I've seen other people do this and they're just like, Oh my God. And so I feel like the first step is like tracking where your time's going and then figuring out it's like, Oh, if I spend like one hour less per day on my phone, just be by being conscious of it or being conscious with where my time and my efforts going, I can put it into here, get a baseline on where your time's going. Um, either with like moment or rescue time on your computer will also tell you every, everywhere you're spending your time. Then figuring out, okay, when am I going to get deep work? So I like to do like four hours in the morning from like six to like 10 where I'm, nobody's messaging me on Slack because I don't, I just turn it off and figuring what I want to get done. And then I also have this 1%, like what if we could get 1% better at something every day, then we're going to be 37 times better in a year. And so that doesn't like 1%, it's like if you could apply, and I think this came from a, like a British cycling team where they wanted to win the Tour de France. They started looking at like 1% for the ergonomics and the, the sleep pattern and the nutrition, like literally every single part of the cyclists. And they ended up winning it. They thought they would take them five years. It took them three. But I feel like that, it's like, how can I be 1% better with my diet today or 1% better with whatever it is? And just like 1% is not a lot. But if you can keep doing that, the easy thing these days is like, less people are doing deep work because they get distracted on their phone and the deep work that's going to give you that dopamine hit is so much more work than going on Facebook and getting it really quickly. So I think the people that are going to make the difference and like get where they want to go, the people can take the time, do the deep work and get away from what I think a lot of people are doing instead of that, like the busy work or the easy stuff or the stuff that everyone else is doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I have to tell you, it was you who told me about Deep Work by Cal Newport. It was a Facebook post. You said the, one of the most impactful books I read in 2017 was Deep Work. And so, or maybe it was the year before, I can't remember. So I read it, told Jenny, she read it, and we did a whole podcast about it because of it. And it was the book that influenced me the most in 2017 was just this idea of regaining those hours where we can actually get into some deep focused work and how important it is. It's just slipping through our fingers these days. So Thank you for that little tip. You didn't even know that you gave it to me. Should we move into the Proust questionnaire, Sandy? Yeah. So, Catherine, we're going to run you through Proust's questionnaire. And I'm going to ask you these questions that you don't know what they are. You've not been prepped. If you can just give me your first thought, your first answer that comes to you, one or two words is good. Ready? All right. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Fulfillment and creating an impact in the world. What is your greatest fear? Not reaching my potential. 
Which living person do you most admire? Elon Musk. What is your greatest extravagance? Personal trainer. What is the quality you most like in a person? Uh, curiosity. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Be intentional with your time. I say that a lot. Which talent would you most like to have? Singing. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I'd definitely be taller. Where would you most like to live? New York. What is your most treasured possession? My dogs. Who are your favorite writers? Cal Newport, Ryan Holiday. Who is your hero of fiction? J.K. Rowling. What is your greatest regret? Not doing entrepreneurship earlier. Thank you, Catherine. Now we are going to move into the joy and hustle. Do you have a joy for us? I've been doing something where I'm making an intentional effort to meet someone I haven't seen in a while for a coffee every week. Mm, that's great. So for a long time, I was just like, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm -hmm. But I live in New York and I wasn't taking the time to socialize. And I feel like that's been, um, when, I, when I've been planning that, I always feel energized after it. I love that, Catherine, because when we start our online business, we focus so much about how many people are liking our Instagram or whatever other vanity metrics you want to pick. And I think we forget that there's real people who can help us build our businesses. And it's really important to get out there and talk with them in person. Okay. And what is a tool to help folks hustle? You can use the self-journal if you want. You can self-promote. Self-journal or something where, you know, you're writing down the three things that you like what your goal is. So I think you should always know where you're going to. And then also the three things you're going to get done in any day. So you don't have to buy the self-journal. It's pretty awesome. But if you, if you just want to do that thing, like that's going to help you hustle. And I think we should add a second one for you. Can you talk about win the day? Win the day is a Chrome extension that we set up to, uh, so you put your goal in and when you want to achieve it, and then you put your three targets for the day in there. So every time you open a new tab, you see, okay, what am I working towards? What are the th and then what are the three things I want to get done? And you can also, you know, use it for focus time. So cut out Facebook, Twitter, whatever you spend your time on when you shouldn't be. Um, you can cut that out for like, okay, for the next 45 minutes, I'm going to do this. And it really helps you be more conscious of time passing, um, which I'm just competitive in spirit. So like I like to set timers for myself, like 20 minutes. I really don't want to do this thing. But if I set a time for 20 minutes, I'm like, well, I can do anything for 20 minutes. It's going to be fine. Um, usually I get that momentum and I keep going. Yeah, I agree. I just found it from your website, Win the Day. And I, I really like it, Catherine. It's beautiful. I could tell that you designed it. I could tell that it was Catherine Lavery. Um, it's clean and, and simple and easy to use. And uh, so I just wanted to let everyone know that that exists because I think you did a great job on it. Thanks. It's uh, winthedaycom Okay. Thank you, Catherine. It has been great to catch up with you. And uh, we'll put all the links in the, in the show notes so people can find you. Do you want to let everyone know where they can discover you online? Bestself.co. And you can find me personally on littlemite.com. If I get that I grow it all. I have to change the name, but for now, it's little Mike, M I G H D dot com. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for having me. Are you struggling to find the time to build your business? We are constantly asked how we do it all. Between running multiple software companies, serving on the boards of nonprofit organizations, raising children, and finding time for ourselves, we've had to develop specific habits and strategies to fit it all in. Entrepreneurship has been the most empowering thing we've ever done. 
and we are determined to not let overwhelm and inefficiency prevent you from experiencing the same magic in your life. Learn the specific techniques we've used to build our businesses in our Make Room for Magic course. Learn how to simplify your life and create space for your business for only $97. In just a few short hours, you'll be able to find the hidden pockets of time in your day that will allow you to make your dreams come true. You can learn more at makeroomformagic.com.